millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to this week's Blue Murder Club. My name's Lauren and here with me is... It's Carrie. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. You? I'm very good, thank you very much for asking. Oh, good, how's your week been? It's been nice actually, yeah. Nice and busy, just a bit of work and a lot of podcast uh, research. Yes, podcasting. <laughs> podcasting research, yeah. yes. Yeah, so yeah, I've had a good good week. Nothing major, but yeah, it's been all right. How's your week been? Yeah, not bad in the sun's out today, so I'm more than happy. Mm, yeah, it did It did disappear for a little while, didn't it? It's <sighs> like winter's while. back, but yeah, we're all right yeah, today. Yeah, and I was freezing. One day, <laughs> I woke up and I went, what shit is this? It's freezing. I'm not happy. <laughs> I took the heating on in my car one of the days. Oh, it's not good. In one of the days. One in one of the, of the years. days. In one of the years. <laughs> <laughs> So here we are for um, another one of the episodes on another one of our podcasts. In of one of the series. <laughs> around the world. Around, around the world. Around the world. <laughs> what country are you in this week? Uh, let me say that again. What country are we in this week, my darling? Oh, there's a few, isn't there? Or is it one country? No, you're right. There's a few countries. There's a few countries. The continent is South America. South America, yeah. 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 Yeah, so, um, but yeah, there's three countries actually in this case, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, I got so scared then because I got it wrong. I thought, <laughs> I thought there was a few there. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Lauren's getting all like, hang on a second, I'm sure they said a few. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite going back in my shell like, oh no, like I taught us. <laughs> no, our theme is like a couple of episodes per continent. So it was my fault. I should have said, what continent are continent. we in today? Yes, yeah, South America. South America. Ay, Arriba. Ay, ay. I can't roll my R's, can you? Arriba. Oh, I love that. I wish I could do that. Do it again, do it again. Oh, so good. So like good, it. yeah. Like I'm expecting, I'm fully expecting you now with all of the um, South American sounding names that you're going to roll your R's, all right? Now you're asking a lot because <laughs> I haven't practiced. I'll go back to Scottish. <laughs> they roll their R's sometimes, right? Yeah, true. When they say, I love the one, say Space Ghetto in American and it's Spice Girls in Scottish. Space Ghetto? Yeah, Space Girls. <laughs> It's a good one. It's good, isn't it, right? <laughs> I'll say, um, wait. There's one I used to do when I was little. You say, I chased a bug around a rock. What, in Scottish? No, just say it. I chased a bug around a rock. Yeah, say it really fast. I chased a bug around a rock. So you're saying bugger. 
So you know you're little and you're not allowed yeah. to swear. It's a way of getting away. Oh, I like it. That's the only thing I can, the only one of them I can think of. I like that. Yeah. yeah. When I got uh, when I was little, it was all the sign languages. You know, mm. like why don't you fuck off? <laughs> Do you know that one? No. I've right. never learned British Sign Language for one of you fucking. I, I, I don't think it is British Sign Language. It was just what all the kids did. I'll put a little video up so our <laughs> listeners can hear. But I, yeah. I thought it was just putting two things up meant fuck off. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So here we are from Crimes Around the World. And today's episode is about Pedro Alonso Lopez, aka the monster of the Andes. <sighs> he's grooming, eh? Yeah. Yeah, he's like <laughs> yeah. one of the worst ones there's ever been. Yeah, I think he's like got the second highest body count. Right, I'm gonna put a fun fact in. You may have this fun fact, so we can yeah, delete. But he held a Guinness Book of Records for the most prolific serial killer, but it was scrapped for bad taste, Kaz. Yeah, so he is the worst. And when mm. you look him up on anything I looked up, he was number one of the worst serial killers. Number oh. one, number one, number one everywhere. See, I saw that he was number two after a, oh. a, a, another South American who killed little boys. Oh, really? But I think he's done for like less than the other one was done for. Okay. They didn't. They didn't find the amount of people mm-hmm. that he killed, did they? No. He got done for a lot less than the amount he yes. killed. But yeah. So then you've only got his word to go on that yeah. he killed that many. And yeah. we all know what blaggers serial killers are. Oh, they love themselves, don't they? If mm. they can, they yeah. will talk themselves up to the gods. Mm, yeah, that's true. These one, this one does anyway. Yeah. Like the sound of his own voice. He does. So, here's a little introduction for you. Um, Pedro Alonso Lopez, known as the monster of the Andes, was nothing like the stereotypical depiction of criminals from South America. He was neither charming or possessing the outlandish style of a Colombian drug lord because he murdered and raped around 300 young girls in Peru, Colombia and Ecuador. That's the three countries. <sighs> Yay. Yay. He was... Um, Believed to have killed hundreds of people between 1969 and 1980. Most of them would be being young girls. Um, while many of those living outside of South America may not have heard of Pedro Lopez, he was named the most prolific serial killer. Yeah, so you got, yeah, I've got the same as what you had there. Sorry. Um, no, no, that's all right. Yeah, there was complaints, so they took it out because it, it said it, they felt it made a competition out of killing, mm-hmm. which I think it does. It's it does. It's a bit bad taste, really, isn't it? Really bad. Um, so, from the mid-70s to 1980, Lopez strangled his way through the Andes, becoming a nightmare for young girls and their parents across the region. Lopez's life combined dysfunction, poverty and violence to breed someone known as the monster of the Andes. Ooh. Had you ever heard of the Andes before this case? I don't... I have heard of it, mm. it's, but I don't know much about it mm. and i really get big serpent vibes was he around this area or did he go to this area or not at all no i'm way off the mark you're way off the mark i'll tell you why you've heard of the andes go on. this is why i've heard of the andes do you remember that film years and years ago and it was based on a true story of a plane crash that went down in the yes. andes and they had to eat each other to stay alive yeah alive alive yeah that's yeah. why you've heard of that's the why i've heard that's of it. why they're friends. <gasps> yes. now i know and as i'm researching this and i was thinking god that was a really good case i might do a little patron on that you know one please though yeah because it's please though so interesting isn't it what, yeah what they did to survive those yeah. plane crash survivors i mean fancy surviving a plane crash in a mountain anyway in the first yeah. place and then you know yeah brilliant wow so yeah that's why you've heard of the andes wow it i didn't of, realize yeah, yeah. cannibalism put it on the map <laughs> <laughs> Not very good. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> claim to fame, but uh, mm, well, not one you yeah. really want. 
Um, so we've changed it about this week, haven't we? I've done his early life. Mm-hmm. So he was born on the 8th of October, 1948, in Santa Isabel in Colombia. During this time, Colombia was in the first year of a civil war that would last for another decade, which was known as La Valencia, which is the violence, which was a 10-year civil war in Colombia from 1948 to 1958. And it was a civil war between the Colombian Conservative Party and the Colombian Liberal Party, which was fought mainly in the countryside. Uh, Pedro's father... Megado Reyes. I bet you could do that better with your rolling, you know. What's his name? Megado Reyes. Megado Reyes. Thank you very much. <laughs> he may have been a married man, um, but he may not have been. I don't know. But um, he was a member of the Colombian Conservative Party and he was killed in the war on the 9th of April 1948 when Pedro's mother, Benilda Lopez de Castaneda, was three months pregnant with him. Oh. So he was... he lost his father long before he was even born this bloke um she said that she thought the shock of losing her fella would make her have a miscarriage but she said that the child inside her was a quote strong boy yeah what a shame yeah (laughs) um at the age of five pedro and his family moved to a city called el espanol el espinal which i think it means spine it's like the backbone of the country so el espinal el Espinal, a city located in the department of Tolima, which is 146 kilometres southwest of the capital of Colombia, which is called Bogota. And um, Belida, she was a sex worker and obviously a single parent. And she had 13 children in total and he was number seven. So you can imagine how difficult life was for the Mm -hmm. whole Lopez family. His mum, she described um, Pedro as being polite as a little boy and that he said he wanted to be a teacher and he would say to his mum, oh, I'm good at helping the other children with teaching them, aren't I, mum? And she'd be like, yeah, you're really good. (laughs) Of course you are. There might be something lost in translation because she doesn't speak English. So the documentaries that I watched her on, you're just relying on a translator, Mm but I don't know. Some of it comes across a bit weird and you're like, I think it's something's lost in translation. That was one of the things I was like, okay. Um... So she claims that even though they were very poor, she was a loving mother. However, Lopez later recalled that his mother was abusive. Oh. So they both got very different sides to the story. She says one thing, he says total opposite. So he described her as being sick in the head and that she would punish him with such violence. He claimed that as a child, he would witness his mother committing sexual acts, which was her job. Mm-hmm. She worked as a prostitute. So, you know, to put food on the table, she had to do what she mm-hmm. had to do. And he would sometimes... Like he'd witnessed this at a very young age and he would also sometimes see some of her customers abusive to her, like hitting her and stuff. Yeah. So from a very young age, he's linked sex with violence. Mm-hmm. Very young age, if what he says can be believed. I think it's probably true. I doubt if she had her, her own little house to go no. to to do her work, she probably did have to do it in the family yeah. home around the kids, unfortunately, because of conditions. Because of means, yeah. Yeah, they're in the middle of a civil war, there's buggable money anywhere people are just scratching around to make ends meet and this poor lady is a single parent yeah um there's very little really about his early life and stuff um nothing about his brothers and sisters or i don't know whether because she worked as a sex worker they were all just products of her job Mm -hmm. or if she maybe had a husband or i don't really they couldn't find anything out because i was quite interested in whether his brothers and sisters were all 
biologically the same as him up until obviously he was born or yeah. I wasn't really sure. I couldn't find any um, documentaries where his brothers or sisters been interviewed or anything. All I could find was ones with his mum. To be fair, if you was a sibling of that, you would distance yourself as much as you could. You change your damn name and leave the country. You would, 100%. <laughs> I don't know him. Yeah, that's true. There's no family resemblance over here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in 1956, at the age of eight years old, he ran away from home and his mum believed that he'd been kidnapped by a neighbour. She said that she cried and cried and she went looking for him and she went to a fortune teller who told her that Pedro had gone with a man in a car. He had, in fact, um, run away. He went and lived on the streets for a, a little while. Um, so he's trying to fend for himself. There is... There is Another story, which probably is his side of the story. So again, him and his mum are different mm-hmm. different versions of what happened. So he said that at age eight, his mum caught him trying to grope his little sister. So she threw him out. Well, and um, but she says that he ran away, and she thought she thought he was dead until he come back years later as an adult. So who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, God knows. Both both terrible story. Both both the stories are terrible. They both result in an eight year old boy defending himself on the rough streets of Colombia in the middle of a civil war. It's unbelievable. So, um, one of the first things that happened to Pedro when he's eight years old was he was approached by a strange man who offered him a bed for the night and a hot meal. But instead, he took he took the young Pedro to an abandoned building and he repeatedly raped him, oh, sexually no. assaulted him. Um and he said when he let him go, he didn't go to the police as they didn't really help poor people of the city. Um, eventually, I think age 10, he made his way. He travelled that 146 miles to the capital, Bogota. And he joined a gang called the Gamines. The Gamines gang, which is a bit like Uncle Dodger kind of thing, Oliver Twist. It's just all the street urchins, former gang, safety numbers. Got to pick a pocket or two, boy. Yes. Sorry. I think they did. I think they were pickpockets, actually, mm-hmm. amongst other things. So Pedro, wanting protection, joined a gam- gamine, gamine gang, um, a term referring to the abandoned street children of Colombia, and he started smoking basuco, which is an impure form of cocaine paste. That sounds gross, doesn't it? And he learned how to survive on the streets, and he became hardened, and in his words, he lost his innocence. Crack his whack. <laughs> What is it you said last week? Incest is best. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a poet. Crack his yeah, crack his way. <laughs> his gang of gaminas would often fight other gangs with knives and belts for sleeping territory and food. And Pedro claimed that these experiences hardened him and scared him as a child, which it would do, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. But yeah, apparently, like the prime sleeping areas would be fought over really, like tooth and nail. They'd be fighting over any food. They'd go down bins to get scraps. You know, these pe- these kids are literally just. They're just in survival mode. They're mm-hmm. probably feral. Um, age 10, he has a stroke of luck. So when Lopez was age 10, he was approached by an elderly American couple who said that the sight of him begging out on the streets broke their hearts. They took him in and they enrolled him in a school for orphans. Um, apparently, they'd moved to Colombia. They'd sort of expatriated oh, okay. there. So they lived there. That. Yeah, they did live there. And they took him in, enrolled him in a school and he learns how to read and write and everything's cushy. So he has two years of a lovely, stable life, but his luck would not last because when he was 12, he claims that a teacher at the school that he was in sexually molested him. 
Um, obviously, he's already deeply scarred from the first assault that he suffered at age eight. So he just bolts. He can't deal with it. He's, he goes to the office, the school office, steals as much money that he can get his hands on. And he just, he runs away. He ran away back to the only other life that he knew he could survive on Bogota's violent streets. And Lopez would later eventually speak of wanting vengeance for his suffering as a child. So these two acts of two men that he has trusted who have said that they're going to look after him and then they've turned around and violated him has made him hell-bent on revenge. Wow. And it's kind of twisted in his mind a bit because he doesn't look for revenge with adult males, does he? You know, he doesn't... Yeah. Yeah, as the story transpires, he he goes for the opposite victim. Wow. So he said at this point he most he said mostly what he needed was support and help support and help, which makes me wonder why he didn't go back to the elderly couple that he'd been living with for two mm. years. Why he bolted from everybody? I think maybe the trust had just gone, and he thought the only place I can survive is myself on the yeah. streets. So when the money that he took from the school ran out, Lopez supported himself by stealing cars and selling the parts to the local chop shop which is like the cut and shut places I suppose where you just strip cars down and sell them on and by the age of 18 he was highly he was a highly accomplished car thief and he was even training up younger gang members for a cut of the proceeds so he was like he had little like apprentices he's fit again now he's, he's upgraded yeah he is isn't he yeah. he's like yeah is that the night yeah yeah he is isn't he yeah Amazing. So, yeah, he's, he's a very successful car thief. In 1969, at the age of 21, his career as a car thief came to an end and he was arrested for stealing a car. And Lopez ended up behind bars with a three-year sentence in a Colombian prison. That don't sound like a laugh to me. I doubt if the prisons in Colombia are yeah. very nice and clean and hygienic and safe. They sound, I bet they're horrible. But, yeah, this is where he ends up, just for stealing a car. Um, on his second day in prison, Lopez was gang raped by two to four older inmates, which is something that is all too common in male populated prisons as dominance and control within relations amongst prisoners. Um, now, Pedro, he didn't report the crime, but he enacted his own form of future serial killer justice. In the weeks following the attack on him, he fashioned a prison shank. So I think he got like a normal butter knife and he sharpened and sharpened and sharpened it till it was razor sharp and he slit the throats of the killers. He said the prison warden told him not to worry as it was self-defence as it was deemed highly disgraceful to be sodomised by another man and the act could only be expunged by the appropriate act of revenge and so acts of revenge such as this were quietly condoned by the prison authorities and the jails operated along their only formal legal codes. He did have two years added to his sentence and said, while in prison, I learned to defend myself. After this major act of revenge, he didn't receive any more trouble from any of the other inmates. You can imagine no one's going to fuck with him now, are they? He must have been like... Top dog. Yeah, he's the psychopath. Who's the bitch now? Yeah, he's a psycho. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, he, he spent the rest of his time in jail mainly alone and cultivated the image of the prison rabid animal. If you mess with him, you'd be taking your life into your own hands. He spent his days in jail lazing around, smoking and building up a collection of pornography, which he found repulsive while at the same time it turned him on. So he found it repulsive because he said the women performing the acts in the magazines reminded him of his mother. And that reminded him of a time when there was no, when his innocence was lost. So he's got a real bee in his bonnet about losing his innocence mm. at a young age. He can't seem to get over it. He probably should have had counselling, I think. Yeah. Um... So this would mark the beginning of a new chapter in his murdering life and he swore he would never be a victim again and would serve his own kind of justice. Um, like I say, he did receive two additional years added to his sentence but some sources say that he didn't have to do them, some say he did. Who knows? But anyway, at the age of... In 1973, at the age of 25, he was released from prison... So he did serve the two years. I've just done the maths. Good girl, <laughs> he quick did, maths. He did four years. So two years for the car theft, two years for the, I don't know, triple murder, mm. double murder. I don't know. He killed at least two. Between 1973 and 1978, he had no fixed address and he lived between Bogoto and El Espinal and would occasionally meet up with his mother who he had reconnected with now that he was an adult. Um... I don't think it was very happy though. Um, Bernaldo went on the record to say that he would, like during these visits, he'd be overly confrontational and cruel and then he'd walk out. So he clearly hasn't forgiven her. He's got an axe to grind with his mother, I think. Yeah. Um, in 1978, Pedro Lopez ended up in Peru where he began his career as the monster of the Andes. Starting a pattern of evasion from the authorities, Lopez made his way to Peru where his series of murders began, Lopez started stalking and murdering young girls. Like many other serial killers, he preys on girls from lower socio-economic classes. He'd lure them to remote areas where he'd rape, murder, mutilate and dump the bodies. Um, by, in 1978, less than a decade after his initial release from prison, Lopez estimated that he'd murdered at least 100 young girls in Peru alone. So just in that country alone. Um... While in these remote areas of Peru, Lopez soon discovered an easier victim to target, young girls from the native tribes in the region. The sparsely populated areas where these tribes lived were far away from the police and any form of justice. At least that's what he thought. Mm. So this is a good bit. During an attempt to kidnap and then murder another victim, the Ayacho... Ayachukos, a tribe na native to northern Peru, captured him. So he was caught in the act of trying to kidnap this girl. 
and obviously they are well aware that children, like young girls, are going missing and never being seen again. So t- straight away they've, they've cotton on to his game. Now, the rules of tribal law dictate that anyone caught committing such a crime would receive a death sentence. The form of punishment was being buried alive. So first of all, they torture him. They strip him nude. They beat him up. I read somewhere that they whipped him for a whole day. I mean, that's horrible, isn't it? Yeah. And then they bury him in the sand up to his neck. And then they, he said, he later said of the experience, they had placed syrup on me and they were going to leave me alone to be eaten by the ants. Oh, we've I had mean, that a few times and I don't like it. Yeah. That reminds me of the, was it the rats who ate that yeah. fella that um, Gary Mansell was talking to us about, wasn't yeah. it? That's what, but yeah, anyway, this guy, he's got nine lives. Before tribal justice was served, a Christian missionary from the United States drove along in her little truck. Fucking good, do good, do good, yeah. And she convinced the tribe to release Lopez into her custody and that she would turn him over to the Peruvian police. That was the right thing to do. Let him go for the correct authorities. You don't want this blood on your hands. Anyway, she must have been convincing. She talked him into it. So, the female missionary placed a tied up Lopez in the back of her Jeep and drove to the nearest police station. The Peruvian authorities did not consider the crimes he committed in their country or his past criminal history and didn't think there was enough evidence of him doing anything. So they just asked the missionary to drop him off at the border. Um, So she just drove him to the border of Peru and to Colombia and he got out. (laughs) Just a giant. (laughs) Um, He said later on when he was interviewed about it, because I think someone said, like, why didn't you just kill her when... And he said um, he didn't harm her because, quote, she was too old to attract me. So it sounds like he How old was she? She was a grown-up. And anyone who's a grown-up... is his mother. He's, like, literally not on his mm-hmm. radar. He don't... He, he don't... No. <laughs> She's his mum, doesn't he? So, he yeah. his, his MO, age range, was 8 to 12. Oh, for So, no, so. Yeah, grown-ups were safe. Kids not... Once he was back in Colombia, he spent time travelling between his homeland and Ecuador, where he continued adding victims to his count. In 1979, in El Espinal, he raped and strangled a girl called Flora Alba Sanchez, whose body was found months later and whose grieving mother had to identify her by the clothes she was last seen Mm. wearing. Now, the police deemed this crime not to be worth using any resources to investigate it, as she was from a poor family. Um, The police... In this story, in all of the countries, they just don't care about these people going missing. They just can't be bothered to get off their bums and do some work. It's really... But the corruption was really bad. Yeah. I think I'll get to that a little bit later on. Um, so, yeah, his victims were always poor indigenous people, the children of street vendors, never white girls. And he would pose as a lost salesman and ask for directions and help and would rely on his charm to lure the girls away from their family. Um, he never physically like grabbed them. He just talked them into it. So that's why he got away with it so much. No one ever saw him grab anyone to mm. drag them away. So he would take them somewhere isolated that he'd already prepared, rape them, and then he'd spend the night holding them and cuddling them. A dirty bastard. Yeah. Then he'd rape them again in the morning as the sun came up and he'd kill them in daylight. So he could see the light go out of their eyes. No, no, no. Um, some of them, he said he'd like shake them, wake them up and then repeat it. You hear a lot of the serial killers doing this, don't mm. you? They just want to prolong it so they prolong do it, it re- yeah. repeatedly. Um, and he, he said it was a wa- it would be a waste to murder anyone at night because you wouldn't be able to see that light go out of the eyes. 
I mean, this geezer, he, he's very proud of himself, Lauren. Um, he murdered dozens of girls in this way and he, he killed again and again and again. In April 1979, he moved to the outskirts of Ambato, a large city in Ecuador. His crimes did not go unnoticed, as hundreds of missing girls were reported, with little help from the authorities. The families, the victims' families set out to find their missing daughters themselves, many of them placing ads in local newspapers. Like, you see all the posters stuck up all around the city and the roads and everything, because mm-hmm. the police just not interested. Thank you for when the authorities took notice as the number of missing girls rose in both Colombia and Ecuador, they suspected it was part of the growing sex slave trade in the region and still did nothing about it. Yeah. Why, why aren't they investigating it? Why, if they think all these girls have been sold into the white slave trade, why the fucking hell are they going, oh, that's yeah. your answer, your girl's been kidnapped and sold as a sex trafficker. What are you bugging me for? It's mental. That's just as bad as being killed by a serial killer. Yeah. So you can imagine the frustration and the, oh, the just the horror of the parents and the, yeah the despair and yeah the despair it, and the helplessness oh, yeah, yeah because they're not wealthy people they can't afford to take a day off and go and look for the kids themselves they've got to just rely on this inept corrupt police which they know don't give a fuck about them it's just it's so heartbreaking yeah bullshit is what it is the police were known to be underfunded by the government obviously like there's been a lot of civil war there's probably not much money but this is still unbelievably mm-hmm. shit um, and known to be corrupt and Lopez carried on his awful spree without drawing the attention of the police um, sometimes they said like it was believed the children had run away I mean they're little kids they're not going to have run away mm. they were saying like oh they, she failed a test she's run away really um, April 79 um, here we are on May the 5th he met 11 year old an 11-year-old girl called Hortensia Garces Lozado, and she was selling newspapers to bring in a bit of extra cash for her family. Her family were really poor. Anyway, he gave her uh, about $10. It was money, it was pesos, but translated, it was about 10 mm-hmm. US dollars to be his guide. And he led her to the outskirts of town under a bridge where he raped her, beat her, and strangled her. And when he'd finished, he buried her in a shallow grave and covered her body with some of the newspapers that she'd been sending that day. When she didn't come home, her dad was obviously distraught and he went looking for her, but he couldn't find her. By this point, dozens of girls had vanished and the police didn't seem to do much work to find them. And the police line at the time was that they were runaways or had been kidnapped by sex traffickers. Um, Hortensia's dad and sister were in the documentary that I watched and they said the police in that local area, they're against the local people and only the rich people have access to justice. How terrible is that? You have to have money to have access to justice. It's awful. It's really unfair and it's just so yeah. devastating for those families. Her dad was a fucking broken man. It was horrible. Um, on the 14th of February, 1980, there was a nine-year-old little girl called Ivanova Yakome and she went missing while she was walking in downtown Ambato to visit her father. She happened to be the daughter of a successful baker called Carlos and when she didn't come home, he reported her missing immediately. As the daughter of a respected and wealthy businessman, the police responded, so they're taking this seriously, and they began searching for her. In the meantime, more news of more missing girls made the news, and the news started to spread. And 22 days later, on the 8th of March, 1980, the police found um, Ivanova's body in a disused shack on farmland, and her devastated father had to identify her. Um, now the citizens of Ambato are warned there was a killer of children on the loose. 
but it would take a natural disaster to literally uncover Lopez's crimes. How bad yeah, is that? It's, it's just breathtaking. The uh, fear those yeah. people must have been feeling, I mean, yeah. terrifying, yeah. isn't and it? and it's happening constantly, isn't mm. it? It's not just a once and, oh, it won't be me. They yeah. must be thinking it could be us, like yeah. every minute of every moment yeah. of every day. Every family that's got a little mm-hmm. girl of that age mm-hmm. group would be so frightened to keep let her out of their sight but they're too poor to keep an eye on all the time they they have to go out and work they don't have a choice they're stuck between a rock and a hard place aren't they jeez louise what do you do what on earth do you do i know as a parent makes your blood run cold doesn't it it does to be in that situation so so shall i take it from here yeah so as you were saying hundreds of children were going missing and taking from families and as you said, there's a natural disaster waiting to happen. So there was a slow-moving thunderstorms repeatedly moving over Ecuador and especially over Rombato, in which turned to uh, in which turned caused I'm so sorry in which caused flash floods. Um, this flash flooding caused four young girls to be unearthed. The police still didn't take the time to look into this. They still thought it was trafficking, trafficking and they still thought because they wasn't wealthy people that it wasn't really worth their time and attention. But this did put the city of Ambato on high alert, which you've just said. Mm. <clears throat> so what he liked to do was walk amongst markets in search for little girls with a certain look on her face, a look of innocence and beauty. He would often choose girls that would be working alongside their mother. I followed them, this is a quote, I followed them sometimes for two, three days, waiting for the moment when she was left alone. I would give her a pretty shiny little trinket, get her to leave with me, and then take her to the edge of town where I had promised to give her another trinket for her mother. So that's how he got them away. So that trust and that building. And if you're seeing someone there for a couple of days at a time, you're thinking he's a regular market goer, aren't you? You're not going to be, or as a kid, you're not that suspicious, I don't believe. He went for the trusting ones. No. They? It's horrible. No. So he was going, telling, just bragging about it, as you said. So there was this 11 year old girl called Maria, and she caught his eye. And he made this sinister gesture and motioned her towards him all the while, while Carlina Ramon, Ramon, <laughs> was watching on with dread in her stomach. Carlina was Maria's mum. Carlina see that Maria was being ushered away by him and just screamed, blue murder, yep. <laughs> and gathered anyone she could. And she formed a mob out of these far, uh, market goers and market workers, and they started to chase Pedro out of the market. As Pedro, noticing he was being chased, he began to like break strides and run faster. And he turns around this corner, and the mob followed suit and was chasing him um, if the mob would have caught him, they would have lynched him. However, the police got to him first. Mm. And when the police got him, he, they've said he was like a madman, just bubbling and just talking in this language they didn't quite understand. Mm-hmm. What is that saying, a babblings of a madman? Yeah, um, rant, ranting. Yeah, ranting. Rant, like ranting and Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that, I pictured him. He then said, I am an honest man with a pure heart. I call bullshit on that. 
Why is it I need like the fucking dickhead psychos that call themselves an mm-hmm. honest man with a pure heart? Yeah, so yeah. when they, he thinks they're going to let, oh, you're an honest man, all right, I'll let you go. Yeah, right. Probably worked before though. Yeah, that's true. Jeez. That's true. How many lives has this man got? Yeah, so the police noticing there's something not quite right with him took him into custody, in custody and interrogated him. At first, the police thought this was part of a child trafficking network and that Pedro worked for a gang and that he helped to abduct the girls that have gone missing. However, no one could have guessed that this man could be the reason for so many deaths. Once Lopez was uh, in police custody, he initially refused to cooperate with authorities until investigator Pasta Cordova Guadindo went on to cover as a fellow inmate. Um, he told him he was jailed for rape in an in attempt to gain Pedro's trust. So... At first, Ped, uh, Lopez didn't reveal anything, but slowly he began to open up to his new cellmate and began to tell him details of his crime. For a month, he was there, undercover. He would later reveal, For 27 days, I hardly slept, being afraid to be strangled in my bed, but I tricked Lopez into confessing. By April 1980, he was boasting of committed murders in Ecuador, Colombia and Peru. He said, Pastor said, it was beyond my wildest nightmares. He told me absolutely everything. Ooh, well, to be that man and being told all this, especially when you're a good guy and you're fighting crime, mm. what must it take in you not to fucking lynch the bloke? Right? Yeah, it's, yeah, having to listen to all those sick twisted yeah. details is in horrible. detail. Yeah, yeah, horrible. So when probed for more information, Pedro went on to admit he'd killed over 200 in Ecuador, some in Peru and many more in Colombia. Mm. He called the girls his dolls. I hate that. And he would often have tea parties with these poor girls after they had died. So he'd prop them up and then, I don't know, play with them like they were dolls. It was fucking sick. He then agreed to take the police to over 50 grave sites of the victims in the city of Ambato. To protect Pedro, the police dressed him as a policeman to hide his identity and he had a guard on each side to protect him against the mobs and he wasn't handcuffed. So because he wasn't handcuffed, he then decided to grab one of the poor girl's skulls to have a photo taken. He thought it was an opportune photo. It's just a prick. Sick puppy. Yeah. Yes, sick puppy. Mm -hmm. But the police, like I said, no, we're not taking no photos. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I would, yeah. Mm. 
It's believed he has killed up to 110 victims. However, some suspect the rate is a lot higher. The search went on for three weeks. He also called himself Man of the Century. He's such a prick. So, um, Man of the Century. He's all, yeah, he also admitted to stalking English and Scottish families while on holiday and took a liking to their beautiful blonde children but couldn't go near them because the parents wouldn't leave him alone long enough for him to take them. And he said he always wanted a beautiful blonde girl. Gross. On July 31st, 1981, 33-year-old Lopez pleaded guilty to the murders of the 57 girls. And he was imprisoned in Ambato, where he was officially diagnosed as a psychopath. Pedro was sentenced to 16 years in prison, which is the maximum sentence for murder in Ecuador. They don't do consecutive sentences, nor do they do the death penalty. Shame. (laughs) (laughs) He would spend most of his time in prison in solitary confinement, rarely interacting with other prisoners or guards because of the uh, 25,000 bounty placed on his head. Oh, really? Yeah. He had a bounty on his head the whole time he was in jail? Yep, and it was placed there by the relatives of the victims. Mm. So I thought, good on them, they've got a bit of sway there. Yeah. Because they're all poor, they've almost probably all pulled in as much Mm -hmm. as they possibly could. Fucking good on them. Yeah. So in 92, Pedro Lopez was interviewed by Ambato, Ambato, sorry, by Ron Latina, a correspondent with the National Examiner. He was allowed access to Lopez in his cell to question him about all the crimes he was accused of committing. However, before he would consent, like, so he wouldn't consent, no, I'm not doing it, unless he he told the warden, unless you let me touch your daughter, because the hand, because mm-hmm. I've not touched a woman in over 12 years, I'll only do it and I'll only be truthful if you let me touch, touch your daughter. <sighs> The warden accepted it's fucking gross. So I wouldn't do it. I'd mm. say, no, fuck you. I think the warden was his friend, wasn't it? Yeah. Is that the one? Oh, no, I don't know. I'm uh-huh. not sure. Yeah, it could. There's so many stories. As we've mm-hmm. listened to so many and so many. No, I was going to say, I think Pasta, Pasta was either the warden of the prison or he was like the captain of the police that caught him. I've got investigator. Yeah. So he was definitely a policeman. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, the warden accepted, and with the guards keeping their guns on Lopez through the bars, he was permitted his request. The young woman held out her hands, and the monster carefully touched her wrists with the tips of his fingers. (sighs) And the interviewer noticed how big and strong his hands were abnormally slow. Uh, Abnormally slow. So, I can't say it. Oh, yeah, normally, yeah, normally large hands. Yes. Oh, that's really grim. Yeah, he then later released her and agreed to talk to him, telling him that at 26, the warden's daughter was too old to interest him. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking filth, innit? And how old's he now? Oh, let's not go into it. He's about 31, 32. No, sorry, it's 12 years later, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. so he's in his mid-40s. 40s. He's about 43. (laughs) And and not being funny, mid-40s, Matt. That would be like their dream, a young girl. Not like, 26-year-old, yeah. 26-year-old. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so anyway, he was released two years before the end of his sentence for good behaviour. So on August the 31st, 94, Lopez was released after serving 14 years, having been released two years early for good behaviour. He was summarily, I can't say it, deported <laughs> to Colombia, and there he was given a new shirt, 
shoes, a bottle of water, packet of food, and a small amount of Colombian pesetos. What are you going to say, say <laughs> Colombian white gold? Yeah, white gold. <laughs> and a scar. No, you didn't. Sorry, 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 sorry. And set loose where authorities were there to attempt to convict him of two decades old murder. But instead, Lopez was declared insane. And in 1995, taken to a psychiatric facility. In February 98, he was declared sane and released under a $50 bail. That's fuck all, isn't it? Mm, With additional stipulations. He visited his elderly mother, who said that he asked for his inheritance there and then. And upon being informed of her poverty, he said, what have you got? And she said, I've got a bed and I've got a chair. So he says, all right, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave it a day. I'm going to leave this bed and chair outside. If no one buys them within this day, I'm just going to set fire to it. Mm. Because but why would you do that to your mother? It's like it's the last possession she's got. Perhaps that's what she meant by him being over-confrontational. <laughs> just a bit. He's <laughs> got some issues, maybe. Just Sounds a bit. like it. You're not having the chair. And you're not having the bed. You can lay on the dirt. That's what he's doing to her. Well, anyway, he's got she, his money. She's elderly. She owns two things. <laughs> And he sold them. <laughs> or he was going to set them alight. <laughs> well, I think we've established he's a bit of an arsehole. Yeah. So this is a quick uh, a quote. <sighs> right. God save the children. He's totally remorseless. And this whole nightmare may start all over again. So this was said after it was announced that he'd gone on the run. The monster of the Andes disappeared. Families in Colombia, Ecuador and Peru who had heard about his freedom were fearful of their children falling victim to the serial killer all over again. So they lived in a bit of peace. And maybe the people at the first time might be the children that their parents feared of because it's been about that time, right? Mm. It could have been. Yeah. So the people that were scared might be the grandparents there. Mm. It's just fucking, yeah... Um, there were numerous sightings of him with citizens calling the police to ensure Lopez was re- recaptured. Mm. Never led to anything. Jose Riveras, the commander of the police in Ecuador, said Lopez was seen in mountains between Ecuador and Colombia. Minister of Prisons Pablo Faguero was questioned by reporters about Lopez's release and admitted, yes, it does sound strange, but that is our law. With the law of no executions or sentences longer than 20 years was passed over 100 years ago to protect presidents of Ecuador from being killed following revolutions and military corps. So that's been protecting, as you say, the civil war and that. But what Mm. about these bloody monsters? Yeah, I know. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's madness. One of the um, fathers of one of the girls' victims, she, mm-hmm. he said, can't they make an exception? Yeah. I mean, why can't, they, would. why can't they make an exception? Of course you would. It's really strange. It's literally like everyone who works in law enforcement over there can't mm-hmm. be bothered to do their jobs. No. I mean... Got it too easy. It's like, mm, no, I can't yeah. be asked for that. Just let him come out in 14 years, two years off good behaviour. Do you know what he done while he was in prison? What did he do? So after two years in jail in Ambato, he mm-hmm. was transferred to Garcia Marino, mm-hmm. which is a prison in Ecuador... And he was kept in the Pabalong D, the wing for rapists and murderers. Sounds like a laugh, doesn't it? Mm. Um, and what he would do to pass the time, he'd carve coins with Jesus on one side and the devil on the other side. Oh, what a loser. Yeah. yeah. And he served his time patiently, knowing that he'd be a free man. 
Jesus and Christ. And in, in that prison interview, that same one in 92, he did say he was subjected to sexual acts at a young age that had a lasting impression on him. And in a rare moment of self-awareness, he admitted why he chose the victims that he did. He's quoted as saying, I lost my innocence at age eight. That's when he was first mm-hmm. molested, when he, when he was living on mm-hmm. the streets. So I decided to do the same to as many young girls as I could. <laughs> and he thought he was saving them from a life of poverty. And he saw it as his mission. He also tried blaming his alter ego, someone called George Portinio, for the murders. My God. So it, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, do you think he did have a split personality? He was actually crazy or he's just putting it on to try and get off of it? I don't know. He's got issues. I know that much. Deep-rooted issues. But I think he's just trying to go for the insanity plea, yeah. maybe. I don't know. I don't know. They, they, after they examined him, they said he was a sociopath and mm-hmm. he had antisocial personality disorder, mm-hmm. which comes up again and again, doesn't it? Yeah. And that he didn't know right from wrong. Yeah. And he is unable to understand other people's pain or feelings. Like you said last week, mm. they don't know consent. No, it doesn't. Doesn't know consent. Doesn't cross his mind. Yeah. No. He's quoted as saying, I'm the worst of the worst, perhaps because of my ignorance, perhaps even a complete animal. I would agree Jesus, with that. yeah. He also said, this is crazy, the ego on it, Lauren, I am God, I give life and I take it away. Fuck me. Disgusting. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the past, they had been executed in horrific ways, like being pulled by four horses. The law seemed humane then, so someone said. Mm. When things like this went down in the past, they would yeah, literally tear apart, tear them apart, limb for limb. Yeah. Do it to him. Or bury him in the sand, give him back yeah. to that Peruvian tribe, and they know and, how to do yeah, justice, well, don't they? precisely. So Interpol issued an advisory for his re-arrest by Colombian authorities over a new murder in 2002. But it's unknown if he was apprehended at all. So, yeah, the whereabouts of Pedro Lopez after his release is unknown, and the report is that he's currently imprisoned, while others state that he's a free man. Lopez vanished, with concerns having risen about his possible connection to the 2012 murder. 2002 murder, sorry, 12. It was a 2012 warrant as well. Yes. You're, you're right. Sorry. It was two. Yeah. And in 2002, the Colombian government launched an Interpol order to arrest Lopez for a fresh murder. Rumours say that he's currently living out in Colombia as a homeless man. Mm. Others say that he has relatives... Oh, others say that the relatives of the victims have put a bounty on his head again and he was murdered for that bounty because, they're, as you say, they're so poor, you would kill for mm. money out there. Yeah. But no one actually knows and mm. there's been less and less sightings. And then, as you say, they again, in 2012, another murder opens up. Mm. They want to look into him, but they can't find him. I so, think most people believe that he was killed by a mm-hmm. mob of the victims' families, families as yeah. soon as he got out. Yeah. Because what's, what's the, where's the first place he went when he got out? When yeah. you see his mum, he went back to El Espinal. <sighs> Would you, though? Would I mean, you? Fucking, fucking idiot. I, I'd be surprised if he made it out of there alive. Do you reckon? Because mm. people are out for his blood. They know yeah. damn well what he's done. Well, a lot of them put are, that on his head in prison. Yeah, he's got the bounty as well and mm-hmm. the revenge mm-hmm. and they love a bit of revenge out there. Mm-hmm. It's all just... Re- it like they take care of it. They're used to not relying on like a formal police system. They just look after it themselves. Yeah. So I think they've, t- they've literally just thought, oh, he's out. He sold all his mum. I mean, he's on the street trying to sell furniture. He's hardly hiding away. <laughs> I, think, I should Jesus. imagine by that evening by the time he's got the money in his pocket, yeah. everyone knows he's there. Yeah. 
Oh, there we see. There he is. Yeah. He never claimed to be bright, did he? Let's face it. No. He wasn't the most no. bright spark. No. And as you say, they're all like taking the law in their own hands mm. because, they, to be fair, I, I would feel exactly the same. If some yes. fuck had done anything like that yeah. and only got 14 years and they're off for, like, for good behaviour. Like, we haven't talked about that. How on earth did he get off two years for good behaviour? Yeah. That's crazy. Madness. That's absolute Madness. kicking the teeth to every single one of them little girls and their families. But it's because, as you say, it's so corrupt out there. I read a bit about this. Sorry, I didn't yeah. mention it. And it was because he as he gained for favour of the guards and that. Oh, and he, yeah, yeah. He, he knew how to talk the talk. That's what I'm saying. So I don't believe mm. much that he says. He must have had something to trade or something because yeah. he was smoking like that cocaine yeah. paste all the way through his sentence. Mm-hmm. So perhaps because he's been like a street kid, street kid his whole life, he probably had connections. Yeah, that. I think so. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, t- 14 years. Bullshit. And they don't do consecutive sentences. Yeah. So that means, you know, like when people get like 500 times life or mm, whatever, yeah. that was never going to happen to him because and they he knew don't do that. it. Yeah, he knew it. That's why he, he moved to it. Ecuador. Yeah. Because he knew he wouldn't, that's what yeah. he'd get. And he, that he was scared to go back to Colombia because mm. of their sentence you yeah. know, out there. Yeah, I think exactly. they do do the death out there. I'm I think it sure. was, yeah. I yeah, think so. so he was scared to go back yeah, there. He weren't completely stupid. No. He knew where he would get caught, yeah. where to get caught. Yeah. Obviously, you get caught in Peru, you get eaten alive by ants. Yeah. <laughs> you get ripped apart by horses in Colombia. You get 14 years and a, and a nice little treat smoking loads of cocaine. Yeah. If you get caught in Ecuador. Excellent. So I think it's obvious which country he's going to go Fucking for. Hell. It's just scary. Yeah, so that was the case of Pedro the pedo, as we've called him, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, fucking Peter. Pedro Lopez, piece of scum. The monster of the yeah, 80s. Yeah, Ugh. awful. So before we go, I just wanted to tell you, lovely listeners, if you can't get enough of me and Lauren and you want to hear a little bit more content, we have got some um, serial killer episodes and some other episodes over on our Patreon. It's only £3 a month. Um, and you'll be supporting the podcast. And for instance, this week we put an episode out about Rodney Alcala, the dating game killer. That's my favourite episode you've done. It was oh, brilliant. Thanks. Genius. Uh, the week before that, we put out an episode about Elizabeth Bathory, the blood countess. Um, she, that was a really good one as well. Um, the week before that, we did an episode about John Warboys, the black cab rapist. He was scary. And we did the week before that, Julianne Lopec, the lone survivor. So that's a really good story about survival. And um, the one before that, we did <laughs> quite a funny one about UFOs. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. I like that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got like 30, 35 episodes over there. So please go and check us out. Our link's in all of the usual places. And we will love you long time. Oh, yeah. Don't let all that hard work go to waste. Oh, and for free quid as well, you also get early access to our mainstream episodes ad-free. Ad-free. That is a brutal bonus if ever I've heard one. There you go. Perfect. So thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week. Take we ho- care. We hope you're enjoying this Round the World series. Yeah. Reach out to us on our socials. We love to hear from you. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, we will see you next week. We'll be back for another episode. I'm just mostering. Why don't you fuck off? <laughs> 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 <laughs>